Fans of the Dynasty Invest podcast, if you feel like there was one particular episode in the back catalogue in the anthology of Dynasty Invest podcast episodes that really, really, really was massively valuable to you, feel free to share that with a fellow dental colleague who's in a similar position so their understanding of finance can be elevated and they can hit the next level of financial success in their life. Also, as well as that, if you could take two seconds to rate and review this podcast, it would mean the world to me. What that would mean is that it drives this podcast further in terms of reach so that more dentists across the world can be able to benefit from the knowledge contained therein. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Dentists Who Invest podcast. First and foremost, apologies on my behalf because it's been a whole month since we shot a podcast i don't know if you could hear that noise just then that was me slapping myself on the wrist i'm really 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 sorry i've just been really busy we had a few guests uh well for whatever reason uh 50 them 50 me we had to rearrange and had a very busy month so we're just getting back into the swing of things now and i'm really 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 excited because we've got some killer episodes coming up this month and this one is one I've been looking forward to and I think is massively needed. We have the man with the knowledge who frequently pops up on the group, Luke Hurley, with us today. And he's going to be sharing with us what he believes is the best ISA, sharing information on which platforms have which benefits so that we can decide which one is the best for us and move forwards. And we're very excited to learn more. Luke, how are you today? Very well, thank you, James. Glad to be here. Oh, mate, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show before, and I'm looking forward to learning more, as I always do when you come on the Dentist Who Invest podcast. So, look, let's jump straight in. ISAs, and I, I know that you wanted to say a little bit about the philosophy of ISAs, first of all. Yeah, I think just for some of the people that are starting out on their investment journeys, I wanted to just touch on... Um, the role they play in an investment portfolio to begin with. So for me, um, the bottom layer of your investment portfolio is the underlying chosen investments themselves. Um, you know, that might be individual shares or funds, whatever you, you've decided you're going to invest into. That's really at the bottom layer of your, your portfolio. Uh, it's your investment strategy. Um, then you've got the middle layer, uh, which is the type of account you've chosen uh, in order to buy your investments. Um, now that could be, um, you know, it could be uh, an, an ISA, a SIP, a LISA. Uh, it could be a general investment account. We really refer to that middle layer as your wrapper or your tax wrapper, um, and that's really because the difference between those accounts boils down to the taxation of the money when it's in those accounts, and also when you can when you can access them. Um, so the wrapper or the chosen account is not responsible for the underlying investment growth. And yet I've heard many, many a person over the last 10 years or so say things like, I don't really rate ices. Uh, but the truth is, that's like saying um, I don't really rate wine bottles. Um, they're both receptacles at the end of the day. They're not. That, that's not really what you should. Be <laughs> okay. um, so ices were introduced to allow savers and investors to set money aside tax efficiently. Um, they're government backed tax shelters um, and. You know, they're, they're, they're there for your your benefit. Um, the government is trying to encourage people to, to save long term and they're giving those tax tax advantages for, for doing so. Um, so to, to recap, you've got layer one, which is your underlying investments or the instruments that you're using. You've got layer two, which is your chosen tax wrapper. 
you can hold multiple investments through the same tax wrapper account. But then at the top layer, you've got your chosen platform or provider that you use. Um, some fund managers will allow you to invest directly with them, but the most common way to invest now is via a platform. And a platform is really just there to provide custody over the assets, and it's the admin framework for investors. So platforms will allow you to open a number of different tax wrappers all in one place. Um, and in some instances, you could have a, an ISA, a lifetime ISA, a SIP, and a general account all on the same platform. Um, and you can have exactly the same investment or investments in each of them. They're just really going to differ according to their tax treatment and the rules around accessibility. So money going in and out of an ISA, for example, is treated very differently to money that's going in and out of a pension. Um, and then you've got the difference in terms of the accessibility. An ISA can be accessed easily and quickly. A pension, the money's locked away until you're in your late 50s. So really, you need to know what you're investing for to make that decision over which, which account is going to be most suitable. Tremendous. Thank you so much for explaining that really clearly. And your little workflow, your linear pathway there of the three tiers, I think was really helpful. Look, I know as well, we should probably make it extra clear today that this is not financial advice. We had a little bit we wanted to say on that as well, didn't we? Yeah, so it's not it's not financial advice because financial advice really involves getting somebody's uh, detailed personal circumstances and objectives and making a personal recommendation. And clearly, this is just a, a chat on a podcast. So the, the hopefully the obvious disclaimer is this is not personal financial advice and you should do your own research. Absolutely. Always best to be extra clear on that one. So look, podca- uh, <laughs> I almost said podcast providers then. Podcast is just ready to pounce out of my mouth at any one second because it's what I seem to spend a lot of my time focusing on. Let's keep a focus on ISAs. That's what we're here to talk about today. Yeah. So ISA providers, what should we be looking for? How do we help decide what's best for us? How do we make that decision? What should we know before we jump into setting up an ISA? Yeah, well, the, the first decision really is which which ISA. So we'll focus purely on stocks and shares in a moment. But there are, you know, you've got cash ISAs, which is really just a, a bank account where the interest is tax free. So you're wrapping your tax wrapper around a, a savings account. You've got stocks and shares ISAs, which, as the name suggests, allows you to invest in stocks and shares, either directly or through funds. You've got something called an innovative finance ISA. Uh, which is really to do with peer-to-peer lending. Um, You've got a lifetime ISA, which is uh, where you get a 25% incentive or bonus, and and it's really designed to buy a a first-time property or retirement. And then you've got a junior ISA, which is where you can put money aside for children. Um, So once you've made the decision over which account you're going to use, then you're going to really go and and work out which which provider. Um, In terms of, just to give you a very quick overview, in terms of the stocks and shares ISA, the real benefits for those that don't know that are listening, um, in terms of the money that's going into the ISA, it's it's coming out of your net income. There's no tax breaks for money that you pay into the ISA. Uh, But whilst it's in the ISA, it's growing through capital gains tax and income tax. So it's rolling up tax free. And there's then no tax when you draw the money out of the ISA. Uh, and in terms of accessibility, there is no lock-in period. So you're, you're not tied in. You can get the money out at any point in, in the future. Uh, you can pay £20,000 into ISAs during a tax year, um, and that's split across the different types of ISA. Um, in terms of drawbacks, I'd say, um, well, first of all, there, there is a limit in terms of how much you can pay in, and it's a use-it-or-lose-it allowance, so it doesn't roll on to other, other tax years. 
Um, you can only pay into one stocks and shares ISA per tax year. Again, that trips lots of people up. Uh, so if you pay into a Hargreaves Lansdowne ISA in one tax year, you can't then go and pay into a Vanguard ISA, for example. Um, they sit inside your estate for inheritance tax. Again, that's worth knowing. Uh, and you can't have a joint ISA or put it in trust. But to be honest, the, the advantages far, far outweigh the, the disadvantages. Um, to actually answer your question, James, in terms of uh, when, when we look at comparing platforms, I talk about the two Fs. Uh, that's fees and functionality. Um, in terms of fees, we'll look at those uh, when, when we look at the four providers you've asked me to discuss today. In terms of functionality, really what that boils down to is um, you, you kind of need to know what your uh, investment strategy is in order to pick your, your preferred provider. Um, you know, people are, we're all playing different games. I, I'm using my ISA, for example, because I'm a, a long-term buy and hold investor. I'm not trading. I'm not making uh, regular trades on a monthly or, uh, you know, every, every, even weekly basis. Uh, I am uh, simply investing and, and paying in each month on direct debit into an account to, to save for my long-term future. Uh, so my strategy or my chosen provider might be very different to somebody that is making regular movements in and out of positions or somebody that's buying um, shares, for example, on a, on a regular basis. So really the first thing you need to do is work out what's your, you know, what, what game are you playing? Um, that's then going to help work out what's going to be the best platform for you in terms of your, your the functionality that you need and also in terms of the fees that, that you're going to pay. Um, fees for me, uh, in terms of investing in general, it's a, it's a huge um, part of, of uh, you know, your, your decision-making process because uh, it's really about opportunity cost. If, if, if you've got high fees, then that's money that's not working for you, that's not compounding for you, uh, it's compounding for uh, some company elsewhere. Um, so rule number one, keep your fees as low as possible. But that also that really is going to boil down to what you're, you're what you're using the platform for. Brilliant. And we will come on to those four providers in just one second. I have an even more fundamental questions, question about ISA. Who is an ISA for and who would you recommend an ISA to? Should each and every one of us be thinking about an ISA if we're savers? Yeah, I think I think. Uh, an ISA should really be the, the bedrock of a of an investment portfolio. Um, without straying into making huge generalisations, I think an ISA and a pension, you know, with, with those two tax wrappers, you can achieve most things you want to achieve as a long term investor. Um, they're they're really your two go to uh, tax wrappers, and a private pension is only going to be suitable to those that that have capacity to use it if they're in the NHS pension scheme, for example. So. Those two accounts on a platform are your, are your two main accounts. Um, I mean, my daughter's got, got an ISA and she's nine months old. So it, I really do think that everybody should be making the, the most of uh, the tax advantages of, of saving into an ISA. Just to confirm, your daughter, is that a JISA or a stocks and shares? It's yeah, a JISA. So they're basically the same thing. It just means that the money is legally going to be hers uh, or it is hers already. I can't get the money back out. Uh, she can take control of it at 16 and then she can actually start using that money at 18. Um, she's also got a pension for the record as well. Those that don't know, you can do that. So even though she's not a taxpayer, she's getting basic rate tax relief on the money I pay into pension for her. And I can just see that compounding over the next 57 years. Um, so you, you can do both. 
That's awesome. Lots of people listening with kids who will find that very useful. And I just have a quick question. I'm just curious. This is a little bit of an aside. Can a someone who's that young have a stocks and shares ISA? No. So most of the time, a stocks and shares ISA, the, the terms and conditions, it will be 18 plus. Right. Uh, if you want to put money into an ISA for a child, it's, it's the junior ISA, which is the product that's been designed specifically for, for children. Real quick, guys, I've put together a special report for dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes That Dentists Make Whenever It Comes to Their Finances. Most of the time, dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened. And that is the purpose of this report. You can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to www.dentistsuinvest.com forward slash podcast report. Or alternatively, you can download it using the link in the description. This report details these seven most common issues. However, most importantly, it also shows you how to fix them. I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Awesome. Thank you so much. And you know what? Just listening to you speak, fees, JISs, SIPs, things like that, definitely things we could flesh out on a podcast a discussion for another day. We're going to keep it hyper-focused on ISAs today because we've got plenty to say on those. Okay, so Luke and I have decided that we are going to discuss... Luke, would you agree that these are the most, the four most prominent ISA providers? Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'd say is we're only we're, we're talking about DIY uh, platform ISAs. So uh, somebody that goes to a financial advisor may see uh, their advisor recommend something completely different. That's not going to be the, the focus of today. I'm, we're, we're just focusing on four platforms. Uh, to be honest, I'd say these four are the ones I see crop up the most on your forum. So they're probably a good a good four to have a chat about. Excellent. That's what we want. Stuff that's going to hit home with people and stuff that's going to resonate. And look, just one more thing before we jump into these four ISAs. Let's say, hypothetically, somebody's listening to this podcast and they think to themselves, oh, actually, I fancy being a Vanguard customer rather than an interactive investor customer. How do they go about transferring their ISA? Is that a straightforward thing to do? Yes, it's usually um, quite easy. Uh, And it applies to cash ISAs as well. If you want to transfer a cash ISA into a stocks and shares ISA with with a provider, it's it's a similar process. So uh, once you've set up your ISA, whoever it might be with, normally they have, have an option on the platform to say transfer in existing accounts. You go through that, it's usually a wizard or some description where you tell the new provider that you've got that you've got these existing ISA accounts elsewhere and you want to move them onto the new platform. Uh, you then give the details, the account details, and you might have to sign something. Uh, sometimes it's done um, through the platform. But the, the new provider will then write with your authority, write to the old providers and say, We've had this request. Please send us this money. Uh, and they will then organize what's known as an ISA transfer between the two institutions. Um, things to consider. Um, one, are there any exit charges or of any sort, uh, but, but, you know, in terms of that process? Uh, often there's not. Um, more often than not, there's, there's nothing on, on that front, but it's well worth checking the, the terms and conditions. Um, if you do uh, a cash transfer, which is where your existing provider sells the money, in your, if they're investments, they sell down to cash and move the cash to the new providers to then buy the new investments. Well, then you've got to factor in the fact that the, the, the money is going to be out of the market for a period of time. Uh, that could work for you. It could work against you. But, you know, the, the money could be disinvested. 
there is an option for a number of providers to do what's called an in-species transfer, which is uh, as long as the new platform allows it and has the same investments as options on that platform, you can actually re-register the uh, investments you've got in your existing ISA onto your new ISA without the money being sold down into cash. And that can uh, help uh, remove that element of being out of the market. Um, but to, to be quite honest, it's a, a straightforward process. Um, you're, you should just be doing it for the right reasons, which is you know, if you think you're going to save money on fees or if you want greater investment choice, whatever the reason, um, it, it should be uh, easily facilitated through your, your chosen platform. Great. And this might be a super obvious question to you, but I think that there may be some listeners who could benefit from us just spelling it out and making it extra clear. That applies if you have over £20,000 worth of assets. So over the ISA limit, you can transfer as much as you like and it doesn't affect your ISA limit for that tax year. Is that correct? Exactly that. Yeah. So you could have £500,000 in an ISA um, and you could move that as an ISA transfer to your new platform provider and it's not going to impact on the £20,000 that you're allowed to pay in, uh, in, you know, in, in, in the current tax year. Really, really good to know. That is gold dust. Okay, brilliant. Let's crack on with the matter at hand. ISA providers, which one is the best? Well, that's going to be a hard question to answer. What should we know when we're deciding which ISA provider we need? Yeah, okay. So again, it comes back to that question of fees and functionality. Uh, The four that you mentioned to me that we'll have a chat about were Hargreaves Lansdowne, AJ Bell, Interactive Investor and Vanguard. They are what we call direct to client platforms. So they're, you know, you can go straight to them. They're DIY platforms. Um, I think if we start with Vanguard as a, as a starting point, um, the first thing to say about Vanguard uh, is limited investment choice. So we'll start with a negative. Uh, If you go to Vanguard, you can only invest in Vanguard funds. So you're, you're not going to be able to access anybody else's investments. You're not going to be able to invest into shares or any other types of uh, securities or investments. It's purely Vanguard funds. Uh, I think there's about 70 or 80 funds that they, they offer. Um, they have a mix of active and uh, index funds, but they've made their name primarily in, in the index fund space. So that's what they're really well known for. But they do have some active fund solutions available to them. Uh, they do run a really well-known um, multi-asset range called the Life Strategy Portfolios, which are really sort of, uh, they, they vary according to the weighting in equities. So that's how you can control the volatility of your investment. And they're really good for, for, for people starting out, uh, really worth knowing and researching. Um, but you are limited in terms of the choice. Uh, and that's that's the first thing to say. Uh, I think, secondly, though, if move on to positives, low cost. I mean. It, 0.15% is their platform fee. That's capped at uh, £275 for accounts over 250000 That makes it extremely good value uh, and extremely, you know, right at the, 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 the top end in terms of um, low fees. Uh, I think the average fund cost on their platform, because they're primarily passive or index funds, is 0.2%, um, which really means you can get a, a portfolio up and running for about 04 to 0.5% per annum, which is exceptional. I mean, it really is great in terms of the, the cost savings. Uh, and if you buy into the whole philosophy behind passive index fund investing, which we haven't got time for today, but if you buy into that, then this is a, a great option. 
Um, it's got a really nice, clean site, easy to use, um, clean and clear, very easy to get going. You've got a straightforward wizard to get started that takes you through the process. Um, extremely easy to set up. Really good for beginners, in, in my view. Uh, really good also for those that just want to keep something simple, go into index fund funds, um, pay into them, say, monthly or pay in lump sums and allow the money just to be on autopilot and build up in the background with, with very little intervention from yourself. Uh, because if you're, by its very nature, if you're going into index funds, you're, you know, you're buying into that. Um, I've not really heard many complaints from a customer service perspective. Um, so again, all, all positive on that side. Uh, I don't think you have you picked up on anything on the on the on the forum in relation to them. I haven't certainly haven't heard any complaints. Things no. Most of the feedback is would correlate with what you're saying in that low fees but not much variety. I also just wanted to quickly touch upon one thing that you said just then. There is a dogma out there or a received wisdom that active funds equal bad and passive funds equal good, but it's not quite as black and white as that. Am I right in saying, look, but that might be a really good podcast for another day. There are certain instances where active funds are actually, well, the properties of those can be beneficial based on the geographic region, for example, that we're investing in. But again, something we're going to touch on another day. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not a, a straightforward answer to that. Um, but if you buy into the, the passive approach, then Vanguard, given the fees, is a great place to start with the, with the platform costs included, where you can get platform and funds for a really, really uh, competitive price. Um, the other thing I would just say on Vanguard is actually they've got quite a unique structure, which quite a few people don't realize. So um, the Vanguard funds and the investors in those funds effectively own Vanguard. Um, so what that means is they're not looking to extract maximum profit for, for to please shareholders, for example. Um, and what they're doing is they're trying to operate at cost and passing on any profit, if you like, to their to their investors to keep fees fees, fees low. So they really are trying to align themselves with, with their investors' interests, which I really like um, in terms of uh, you know matching what I think should be a you know, the, the right philosophy to, to go about things. Um, so not a lot of people know that. It it, it is for me, a really, really big selling point. Really interesting. Thank you for sharing that. The the, the next platform um, that we see a lot, I, I'd say, is Hargreaves Lasdell. Um, massive platform, really well known. Uh, so people know Hargreaves Lansdowne, AJ Bell and Interactive Investor are what we would call open architecture. Um, and that's really jargon for you can invest in lots of different investments from a variety of different investment providers. You can buy shares, uh, OICs, ETFs, investment trusts. There's huge amounts of choice, uh, i.e. you're not tied like you are with Vanguard to just one uh, provider's uh, funds. So that there's thousands of uh, choices that, that, that you can look at and research before making a decision over what you invest into. Uh, if anything, I'd say there's, in those providers, there's too much choice and that becomes quite uh, daunting for lots of people but that that's the difference you've got one like vanguard that's that's tied and fixed to their own their own funds and then you've got someone like hargreaves or interactive investor or aj bell with their open architecture uh, so the, the key message there is enormous choice of investments um, and you can actually research those before you commit to investing on a platform to check that the, the investment you're looking for is available on that platform 
if we go in, in sort of the same order that I, I dealt with Vanguard, fees, well, the, the, the conventional wisdom is they're expensive compared to a lot of other options out there. Okay. Um, headline f- figures, uh, the, it's actually tiered their, their charging structures. So the first £250,000 that you invest, you pay 0.45% per annum or the value of your portfolio um, on funds. If you're investing in shares or uh, investment trusts or ETFs, then that's actually capped at £45 a year. But lots of people don't know that, and it's worth knowing. So where people make the comment around the, the, the high cost of investing, well, it's actually slightly uh, less applicable if you're investing in shares and investment trusts. I personally quite like investment trusts uh, or ETFs. So that's also worth knowing. Uh, there's also the dealing charges. So if you're investing uh, in um, shares um, or investment trust ETFs, then you'll pay a dealing fee. I think that starts at 11.95 and goes down depending on how active you are. Uh, again, so that that's worth knowing. But if you were to compare that against some of the other providers out there, it's generally accepted that Hargreaves Lansdowne are towards the the higher end on, of the price scale, um, and you'll you'll see lots of comments to that effect. I think. In to to, to um, Go back to some positives. I mean, that the site itself is, I think, probably, I, th- I actually say it's probably my favourite in terms of uh, usability. Um, it's really clear, really easy to use. Um, they've laid it out very well. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it is good when you log in. It's, they've got a very attractive app. All of that side of things is, is um, you know, is on point. It's, it's impressive. Uh it's quick to get going to set up an account. It's very quick. You know, there's the same sort of process as Vanguard. There's a wizard to take you through the whole process. It's quite easy for beginners. They've got a really good reputation for customer service. I can't emphasize that enough, which ties in with if you're a beginner and you need some help, they've got a really good customer service team there to, to help people out. Um, I've probably been quite critical of Hargreaves in the past on the pricing front, but I think to add some balance to it, in, in truth, I think particularly for those that are starting out and they've got smaller amounts of investment uh, of uh, of money in their investment portfolios, whether you're paying 0.15% or 0.45% on £20,000, when you put that in pounds and pence is not a big difference. When you've got £500,000, it's a significant difference. And and that's just to to add some balance to that that argument. So for people starting out, uh, the fee question is is less less relevant i think potentially um when you put it in pounds and pence and sometimes maybe it's better off just to go to a platform that's going to give you that uh you know that 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 service that functionality make things as as easy as possible when you're starting out and learning how to how to get these things going Uh, and then you've always got the choice as we've discussed earlier of transferring between different providers um so hopefully that's a a balanced appraisal of, of of hargreaves yeah, it's not set in stone. And that's why I really, really, really wanted to ask that question about how simple it was and straightforward it was to transfer ISAs because I know a lot of people out there, they'll be listening to this and that will be on their mind. And I wanted to ask it at the start as well because that means that we could refer back to it. Anyway, Hargreaves Lansdowne, super interesting. Thank you for that. Who's up next? Uh, up next, Interactive Investor. So uh, first one, same as Hargreaves, open architecture, Enormous investment choice, um, really is vast. Uh, you can go into, you know, US stocks, for example. That there's a, a massive array of 
choice. Um, where they stand out and, and where they fit in for me in this overall discussion is in relation to fees. They offer fixed fees, which is great for large portfolios. So if you set up an ISA with them, you will pay £9.99 a month on a subscription. And that's going to give you access to an ISA wrapper, a junior ISA or junior ISA wrappers, if you've got more than one child, uh, and trading accounts. So you can open up quite a number of different accounts and just pay £9.99 a month. That's their starting subscription level at the moment. You also then get a free trade every month in terms of the dealing fees. Uh, and if you uh, want more than one trade a month, then I think it's £7.99. And if you're a frequent trader, you can pay a higher subscription to reduce the cost of trades. Um, so the, the more active you are, there's different options for you. For people who have a one index portfolio, how good is that, though? Well, yeah, valid point. I think it's the, it's the size of the portfolio. So if you think about it, if somebody's got £80,000 invested in a Vanguard index fund, over and above that point, it's actually cheaper to invest in that index fund via Interactive Investor than it is through Vanguard. So on their 0.15% charging model with Vanguard, they're actually more expensive to invest into Vanguard than Interactive Investor on a £9.99 subscription model. So it is definitely relevant, but it all boils down to size of portfolio when you're when you're assessing um, the benefits. So for larger pots, this definitely needs to be considered. And as I said, the larger your portfolio, the, the, the bigger the impact is on of those fees uh, in pounds of pence. Um, to go on to the negatives, and again, to provide a, a balanced view, there is no getting away from the fact that the interactive investor site, when you log in, is what I can describe as clunky. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a long way from what Hargreaves have, have produced. Their app, actually, Interactive Investor, has just been uh, redone, and it's actually quite quite reasonable but the site when you log in is not the most uh slick looking uh, uh operation um but for me once you've got a larger pot of money there that's and and especially if you're a long-term buy and hold investor and you're not needing to log in that often you can just check up on things through your app that's uh, once you've set the thing up and you've got it on autopilot that shouldn't be a massive consideration uh if you're um you know, a frequent user, if you're trading, if that's the game you're playing, then maybe that's more of a more of consideration for you because you might get a bit frustrated with the with the layout and, and, and the clunky, clunky feel of it. Um, pretty easy to get going again. You know, they've got the whole the, the same. They're all much the same. They've got they've all got wizards to get you started. Um, I would say it's not the best option for beginning uh, beginners. Um, if, you, if you're starting out on your investment journey, it probably requires a little, unless you've got somebody helping you with it, um, it requires a little bit of, uh, of of knowledge to to work out where things are and what you need to be worrying about. Um, so that, that would be my honest appraisal. Great on fees, clunky site, um, and probably not where you're going to start off if, if you're a beginner. Nice and concise. And look, just as we were saying earlier, there's nothing to stop us playing the system as such starting out on a provider which is cheaper for a smaller account and then thinking about moving to Interactive Investor when we hit whatever threshold we've calculated it to be as the uh, the tipping point when it becomes cheaper to pay a flat fee. Yeah, and that really, that, that requires you to know your portfolio, requires you to know what your, uh, you know, your, your costs are, all of your costs and work out what's going to be the most effective for you uh, from a cost perspective. Um, and that's going to boil down to, again, how, how active you are, 
and, 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 and so on and so forth. The other thing I didn't mention actually with Interactive Investor, if you're paying in monthly, you there's a what they call a free regular investing service. So you don't actually pay uh, the dealing fees on your regular investment. So you get the one free trade a month. But also if you set up the account on autopilot and just pay a fixed amount in each month into your ISA, you can you can choose the funds that you want to invest into, and there's then not a dealing fee if you're going into investment trust or or anything else for that matter. Um, so again, that's worth knowing. So you can really control your your fees on that platform. So good to know. This podcast is full of gold dust, and it's got me rethinking my ISA strategy as well. And finally, we have. I'll let you take the reins, Luke. Yeah, we've got AJ Bell. Um, they probably sit somewhere in between. Um, Hargreaves an interactive investor, I'd say. Uh, again, large large investment choice. Um, they're open open architecture like the other two, so there's not really too many constraints on what you go into. Their fees are, are good as well. Uh, the headline fee is 0.25 percent uh, for funds. Um, I think for regular investing, it's one pound fifty per 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 deal, again, to, to give you a comparison on that. Uh, the annual custody, if you've got um, investment trusts and ETFs, like Hargreaves is capped. So you're not going to pay the 0.25% if you're just sat on, on shareholdings uh, or investment trusts or ETFs. Um, so again, fees really, really quite, uh, you know, well, it's keenly priced. Um, it's cheaper than Hargreaves. Offers, offers the same uh, or very similar investment choice. I would say it's probably not as, as um, user-friendly as Hargreaves. Uh, there's a couple of elements to it that, that you need to be familiar with, um, but it, it's definitely a worthy uh, worthy option. It's actually um, the which, in terms of the consumer website, the which recommended platform at the moment or one of their plat- chosen platforms. So it ticks a lot of boxes. It's good for beginners. They've got quite a few... Um, of their own uh, investment options on there to, to, to help people make uh, make investment choices. I should say all, all three of those providers, Interactive Investor, AJ Bell and Hargreaves, all three of them have their own version of a research centre. Um, but that's not open ju- pro- just to investors on those platforms. So if you really wanted to do your research, you can make the most of all three of their, um, you know, their, their research hubs. Uh, and and go through quite a lot of data without needing to be an investor on those platforms. So that's that's worth consideration. Uh, overall, I think it's a it's a it's a really useful platform. It's good for beginners. It's sort of mid midway between on fees, uh, and it's it's definitely uh, in there as a as a consideration. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention is, and where I see some people go wrong, all of these platforms, there's uh, DIY platforms. It's almost like a two-step process. So the first step is to get money onto these platforms, and that can be through a direct debit, you know, a regular monthly payment onto them, or it can be through a lump sum, ad hoc lump sum payments onto the platform. And sometimes where I see people go wrong is they add the cash, they click the button, you know, it's got a nice uh, button on there that says add cash. You you, you click that, you, you make your debit card payment or whatever it might be, put the money onto the platform, You've then got to tell the investment platform usually what you want to do with that money. Uh, and of the four, I'd say Vanguard and Hargreaves make that process uh, as simple and as straightforward as 
as possible and automate it and build it within their system. There's still sometimes, especially with Vanguard, there's a way of going wrong with that, but but it is easier to, to stay on the right track. With the other two, you need to be more careful. It really is a two-step process. So load the money on, then go in, make your investment instructions, say what, what you want to invest that money into. If you don't do that process, the money is going to sit in cash. It's not going to grow. And you're going to revisit in a few months and, and wonder why your, your money's sat there in cash when the market's gone roaring away. Or it could go the other way, obviously, but well worth knowing. And that is something that I always stress to people. A little bit of a pitfall there. I almost said you're practically using it like a cash ISA, but you're not because you're not even getting the interest in a cash ISA. It's even worse than a cash It's just a bank account at that point, isn't it? Yeah, some of them, some platforms will offer a very small interest rate, but it's going to oh. be absolutely next to nothing. Um, and you're probably going to be losing money because you're, you're going to be paying the fees of the platform. So definitely not worth doing. On all of them, you'll need to keep some form of cash float, you know, to, to pay the fees of, of the platform provider, um, whatever the, the, the provider you use. So you will need some cash in the cash account section of the, of the platform. But the key there is not to be sat on large amounts of cash uh, and and you know forget about it for a few months and then go in and wonder why why it's still sat there languishing where your gains are yeah. look this podcast is aimed at dentists of course is there anything unique to dentists that they should be aware about with these ISA platforms that's a little bit of a curveball of a question or is, does it pretty much just stand as it would do for every other profession I just thought I'd ask it, it's the same regardless of profession okay. really for me um that's more, I mean, that would definitely be relevant if you're uh, assessing the pensions on these platforms. Um, but it, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't feature from a, an ISA perspective. One thing I would say, though, again, that, that's just reminded me of something. When you're making the decision over your chosen accounts, so we're talking about the mid, middle layer here, layer two, which account am I investing through? Uh, lots of people will, will prefer possibly to, to have them on one platform, if possible. So they'd like to log in and see their ISA, their LISA, their, their dealing account, their SIP, i.e. their pension, all in one place. Um, Interactive Investor does not offer a lifetime ISA, uh, just, just so people know. Uh, that's just not an option. But the others, you know, you, and nor does Vanguard, actually. So those two don't offer a LISA, uh, but they do offer a, a SIP, they do offer an ISA, and they do offer a general investment account. AJ Bell and Hargreaves offer the LISA, the ISA, the SIP, and the, and the general investment account. A general investment account, for the record, is really just an unwrapped investment account. So where you've got your, your SIP, your LISA, your ISA, if it hasn't got one of those tax wrappers around it, it's just a general investment account. And they'll call it different things. I think Hargreaves call it a fund and share account. Uh, I think uh, Interactive Investor call it a trading account. AJ Bell call it a dealing account. So they've all got slightly different phrases, but it all means the same thing. It just means it hasn't got a tax wrapper around it, um, it but it, it's just there for as a, as a general investment account. And look, you've, you've actually just caused something else to pop into my head. There's no third party app in which we can individually type in the various totals we have in certain accounts that will independently moderate. You know, it will kind of keep track of, like let's say we have a, a GIA with, uh, Hargreaves Lansdowne and a ISA account with Interactive Investor. There's no app that we can go to 
that we can type in the GIA account on one platform, the I, the, 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 the stocks and shares ISO on another platform, and it will tally them all up. Because I know in the crypto world, there's a very useful app that does that called FTX. I just thought if there would be some, is there something like that in the traditional finance world as well? Uh, not really. The, the, the problem is, uh, and I think it will come in the same way you've got open banking, I think it will come. It's a, it, there's a big problem with getting the platforms to, to to talk to each other and to make that as, as simple as possible, uh, you know, in terms of the API and what it, what uh, APIs and what, what's necessary to, to allow that. There are a couple of um, personal finance bits of software out there that I think might have relationships with some providers, but I'd be very surprised if they've got the full range on, on the, on the platform. It tends to be, they've got one or two. And in which case you, you, you know, you're just really restricted there. Um, some advisor software will allow you to, to pull things through um, and that, that's a service they'll provide to their clients. Um, and there are various bits of financial planning uh, bit, pieces of kit that will allow you to keep track of all of your finances in one place, but nothing really that's going to um, provide the solution that you're referring to. I think it will come. I just don't think it's, it's there yet. No problem. Just thought I'd ask. Look, you've done a smashing job of drawing a line under the various types of ISAs that are available to us. Thank you so much for your time today. No problem. No problem at all. Awesome. Looking forward to shooting some future podcasts about some of the things that we've touched upon uh, just today. I definitely think there's some more content out there. First and foremost, on my mind, is pensions and perhaps one about fees as well, because I don't think that's talked about often enough. But you're the man with the knowledge. You'll know whether or not we can get 45 minutes out of fees or even if that would be interesting, I suppose, to anybody who's listening, reach out and let me know if that's interesting. Fees, maybe not the most sexy subject, but something that's super important in the long run. Anyway, look, we're going to draw a line under proceedings today. Once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. I hope you have a tremendous weekend, my friend. Cheers, James. Take care. See you later. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit follow or subscribe so you can stay up to date with information on new podcasts which are released weekly. Please also feel free to leave a positive review so others can learn about this podcast and benefit from it. I would also encourage any fans of the podcast to sign up to the free Facebook community from which the podcast originated. Please search Dentists Who Invest on Facebook and hit join to become part of a community of thousands of other dentists interested in improving their finances, well-being and investing knowledge. Looking forward to seeing you on there.